1: WinBet is now live in all of these states, and the excitement of win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com to start winning. Blue Liar What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we feeling?
2: Nick, in my best first-take voice, is Kyrie Irving's absence, the reason why the Nets lost to the Sixers in their third preseason game.
1: There we go, Jack. I think you got a new job lined up already with that. Now, uh, Obviously, Nets played pretty bad tonight against the Sixers' third preseason game, fell 115-104, got some Kyrie updates. We'll jump to that and plenty more, but you can always find the buzz on all streaming platforms. Jack, you want to kick things off with the Kyrie Irving update?
2: Yeah, um, Woj, I think at halftime, Nick, uh, spoke to the uh, Mike Breen and uh, Doris Burke and said that Kevin Durant, James Harden, Joe Stein, Sean Marks will be involved in deciding whether or not Kyrie Irving can be a part-time player this season, adding that a lot is riding on whether on both Kyrie Irving's short and long-term future in Brooklyn. Nick, I guess when, when we spoke about the, the Woj Ball and Kyrie Irving's preview, we sort of felt that, you know, Sean Marks was speaking to Kyrie through Woj. Yep. Do you think that the same thing is happening then? Do you think the the pressure is being amped up? Obviously, the, the regular season is eight, nine days away, um, and the Nets have one more preseason game. Kyrie, I wasn't in Philadelphia today. Um, what are your thoughts, I guess, on this new Woj news now?
1: Yeah, I think there's probably some added pressure here, but I also think it's probably like a realistic reporting you know what I mean in terms of what's going to happen I think the Nets want to have a better idea of what's going on with this situation by the time the season starts are we going to not let him play are we going to look to move him is he going to end up just getting vaccinated is he going to be a part-time player I think that's a real discussion they need to have where maybe for the last week or two or prior to training camp they were trying to avoid it or maybe they just assumed you know Kyrie Irving was eventually going to get vaccinated and obviously that doesn't look like it's going to be the case so I'm really intrigued to see how it kind of all you know comes together falls apart whatever it really is in this situation but um, obviously some big decisions coming up for Nets ownership Nets brass and obviously the input of Kevin Durant and James Harden is going to be huge in this situation and I'm really intrigued by that because obviously we know Katie's relationship with Kyrie but also I think the aspect of winning a championship and playing basketball has to play a part in this and obviously that matters a great deal to Kevin Durant.
2: Yeah I think that's the we talk about the nets organization a lot and, and how it's sort of what the culture is about it and and now i, I believe it revolves around kevin durant yeah his desires and what he wants in a similar way with lebron in la and lebron in every organization yep. and i think that it is worthwhile to do that you know obviously you know, the signings of all the the buyout guys you know getting james hard all of this is to appease kevin Durant, and it is why he has signed an extension to be probably Brooklyn there for the rest of his career. Now, this decision is 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 a turning point in the organization, Nick. Now, I know we're, we're getting a little bit sick of doing it, but it seems to me that maybe by the time we do our season preview with Matt Brooks tomorrow, we might have an answer. But as of now, it's going to, for me, I think this is going to be Kevin Durant's decision. It's going to be, does, does he think that he is worthy of being a part-time player and one of his best mates, or does he want him all in on, on, on the championship aspirations and going forward? I can't answer that question. I don't. As much as Kevin and Durant and I are close enough on the, the old Twitter platform, when it comes to real life, more important stuff, I have no idea how it's going to pan out, Nick. But to me, we did hear in the most recent comments of Kevin Durant about it. Him sort of saying that you know he's optimistic. He might be naive about it, but you know he he's he's optimistic about it. All about Kyrie Irving returning. You know James Harden wants him to return. Wants him to get vaccinated. All these sort of things. People are talking about, you know, <laughs> will the rules change when a, an election for a new mayor comes in in November? I, I, it's probably things that we'll, we'll dive into a bit deeper on, on the previous show. But as of now, Nick, we might have some news in, in the coming hours and by the time this this podcast drops or whatever. But I think it's going to be Kevin Durant's decision and what Kevin Durant says. And, and I think that they'll likely, in, in again, this is just me forecasting and, and just thinking off the top of my head, I think that they say that Kyrie Irving will be allowed to be a part-time player. I don't agree with it, and you know, if it—that's uh, just me. I, again, not necessarily with anything set in stone. But if that were to be the case, it wouldn't be something I support. But at the same time, uh, if it's what it takes to, to get the Nets a championship and is what Kevin Durant thinks and is comfortable with, then I, I back our leader, um, our best player, the best player in the world. But. Um, it's something that's, again, we'll have to see how it plays out probably over the next 24, 48 hours. You know, ben Simmons is back in, in Sixer land um, tonight. Um, nice little news dump by them with the Kyrie Irving news dropping too. There's so much to keep up with, Nick, and especially with this Nets organization. Um, our season preview is probably going to be spent doing a lot of Kyrie Irving procrast- uh, forecasting and, and and seeing what happens there.
1: Yeah, I think it, obviously, Jack, like you said, this is a main topic because this is the Nets' third best player. Obviously, it's going to have a pretty big impact on the season. Not saying the Nets can't win a championship without him, but the luxury of having a player like Kyrie Irving as your third best player is great. Like, he's very, very good at the sport of basketball and he fits well on this team. Obviously, the relationship with Kevin Durant and even the growing relationship with James Harden. So, I think like you said, you know, if it was probably up to Kevin Durant, he'd say, you know, let's let him try this part-time thing out. Maybe, you know, some of the mandates change by the time the postseason starts. But I think that's where it gets more interesting in terms of if he is, is a part-time player throughout the regular season, maybe not that big of a deal. But when it comes to the postseason, you can't really have a guy that's going to play, you know, two games, take two games off, you know, whatever it is, depending on the matchup, a home court or whatever it is like that's where things get really tricky. And then it gets to a game seven and you do have home court. That's where I think you start to maybe sense frustration from a Kevin Durant or a James Harden or maybe one of these other veterans that signed on to the Nets thinking like, hey, we're just going to, you know, dominate everyone throughout the postseason and run to the championship. But I don't know. Like you said, we don't really have the answers. It's just kind of predictions, forecasting our feel for the situation. I think Steve Nash, based off of some of his – Mannerisms when he spoke about it seems like he's against the part time player thing. He's rather just have him either all in or all out because it allows the team to get some rhythm, especially if there's guys that you need to count on. It's also tough for some of the other players and almost. I don't want to say unfair, but to an extent it is. Like, hey, yeah, you're going to play 20 minutes tonight, but tomorrow Kyrie's going to be back because we're on the road and you're not going to play at all. So it's just like, it's a really weird situation that can carry on to so many different aspects of the team. I think it is possible. I think the Nets could be successful doing it, but there's going to be a million hurdles to face. And are those the type of hurdles you want to face during a championship run?
2: Yeah, a couple of things to sort of touch on there, Nick. You know, the the playoff point is, is pertinent. Again, it's maybe not something we need to touch on, but it's worth throwing out there because if hypothetically the Nets finish with a home court advantage, it's better if they finish with the fifth, sixth, seventh, or eighth seed in this hypothetical world where it's a real world right now, but um, going forward. So (laughs) that is just an outrageous thing to to even think about. Uh, And also, the fact that Steve Nash wasn't included in that Woj mini-report... I don't know how much I buy into the, or think about that, but I just assume that Sean Marks and, and Steve Nash have, you know, Sean Marks will be representing the coaching and, and the front office in, in that sort of sense. Do I would think- have been
1: surprised if Steve Nash is included and in Woe just kind of missed it. It wasn't a written report, you know what I mean? So speaking off the top of your head, you're more likely to forget things. And I think like he wanted to include those main guys. I would assume that Steve Nash has a pretty big say in this determination because he is coaching the team and he's obviously the one that's going to have to deal with a lot of the hurdles.
2: Yeah, no, that's that, that's it at the end of the day. And uh, Alex Schiffer literally just uh, tweeted out, asked about collaborating with the likes of Sean Marks, Kevin Arant, James Harden, and Joe Sion, Kyrie Irving, Stephen Nash says there's nothing to decide on right now. Well, there is, <laughs> but uh, I guess, right. I guess if we're looking at it word for word right now, yeah, they've got to just think about, you know, getting back to, to Brooklyn and, and figuring out what practice is going to happen until the, the game against Minnesota in, in the next few days. but this is the biggest decision this is what matters we'll talk about the the preseason game I know we uh we've grown tiresome of it but at the end of the day this is the the biggest news in the NBA NBA landscape right now and it would be derelict of us if we didn't act, spend a bit of time on it so uh, I I don't know how it pans out Nick uh, I think that it's Worth considering all things. Once we get a definitive answer, one way or another, is Corey going to be a part-time player? Cool, we can analyze what that looks like for the regular season, for the playoffs, or whatever. Does he get vaccinated? Cool, we can put this, this, all of this talk to the side, and then you know, however long he needs to, to wait until he's able to play. Uh, but there's just too many moving parts to give one answer definitively, and or, or another. You know, I said that I think that if Kevin Durant's that influence is, is the greatest in this decision. I think that Kyrie Irving could likely be a part-time NBA player, but that's how I feel right now. You know, I've changed my mind so much when it comes to this Nets team. I judge it based off what is the information that is like given at hand right now. And by the time that people are listening to this, it could be even more news um, that's with them. So judge me and judge Nick for our choices and our thoughts as they are right now, uh, because we record so goddamn often. Uh, our minds have changed pretty often. Um, you know, you just look at Joe Harris and our opinions on him, um, and you look at just how, how, how quickly and rapidly things change in the NBA, and with the Brooklyn Nets, uh, it's no different.
1: And I think another interesting aspect about this to bring up, and it's pretty important given how the Nets got to this point in time and were able to acquire you know, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden, is player empowerment. They really went out of their way to make sure they empowered their players, gave them the best possible situations, have kind of always had their back. And I'm not saying it's wrong if they tell Kyrie to sit away from the team, but it's definitely something to consider when you're putting the whole equation together. So just another aspect to consider, and like you said, Jack, you know, as the process goes through, as we get more news nuggets or whatever it might be, we're gonna kind of adapt our interpretations of the situation. I'm really intrigued to see how it kind of all falls out because, it just seems like it's very unsolved right now. And, I, you know, the ball is in Kyrie Irving's court. Like, he could solve all this by getting vaccinated. And I'm, I'm not, obviously, I'm not thinking that's very likely at this point in time. But to me, just, like, get one shot. Maybe don't get fully vaccinated. Just, like, do something so you can get back on the court. Because a lot of people have committed to get you to this place. And Malika Andrews had a great point earlier today in the jump where she kind of just spoke it clear in today and what really should happen for a lot of players and how it's not just really about the NBA and winning a championship. It's about the pandemic and public safety and health and everyone being able to kind of get back to their normal lives to some extent, which isn't really the case for everyone, especially you over in Australia, Jack.
2: Yeah, look, I to provide, I guess, a personal perspective to it, you know, Melbourne has been in lockdown for longer than any other city in the world, you know, over 240 days and counting right now. Um, that is set to end soon because of our rising vaccination rates, which is positive. For my job as a teacher, I know a lot of people probably know or might not know that I, no, I'm a, an elementary slash primary school teacher. We uh, have vaccine mandates. doesn't bother me. I think it's for, for the greater good for you know for supervising the children as well as you know any other vulnerable communities that are, are in contact with the school that I do work at. But again, you know the, the, these sort of personal aspects. Are, I'm looking forward to, to chatting about the X's and O's, raving about Cam Thomas, and, and we'll get to a little bit of Cam Thomas chat pretty soon. But ultimately, Nick, you, Malik, Andrew summed it up best. There are people smarter than us that have, have more succinct and, and eloquent opinions about it. We just throw our two cents in there into how we feel in the moment. We're lucky enough to have this platform to talk about it. Ultimately, Kyrie Irving gets the vaccine, cool, awesome, let's put this thing to bed, everything that I've said, whatever, (laughs) you can throw it, chuck it in the trash, I'll go on all takes, exposed, freezing cold takes, all of the different platforms there, Uh, but as of this point right now, this is still an incredibly big news point for the NBA, for the Brooklyn Nets and their aspirations for, for things down the line when it comes June and July.
1: Yeah, and obviously, you know, becoming a pretty big distraction given it's been the made headline for the last couple of days and it's a constant question for players, staff, management, whatever it is. But
0: we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed Data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: Jack, like you said, we did have a preseason game tonight. I'm not sure if the Nets showed up, but they did lose the game, 115-104. Um, just not great energy from the start. Sixers were missing a lot of guys. Joel and, Ble- uh, and Bead played a couple minutes, but it was a lot of young guys for the Sixers or backups, and they just played really gritty and were really into the game, and Brooklyn was not and had 26 turnovers.
2: Yeah, a lot of turnovers. It was just an incredibly sloppy game. Joe Harris mentions um, to, to the next beat about the fact that there was just a lack of competitiveness from the team. Look, his game wasn't great to be honest either. I, I didn't think that he had the, the requisite level of engagement I think I saw Katie or James or someone yelling at not only him but Bruce Brown to take those open shots take those open threes, be a bit more aggressive. The purpose wasn't there but if you're looking at some semblance of a silver lining, you know, there were people, Steve Nash was talking about James Harden um, and his lack of Gameplay uh, over the last six sort of months, obviously recovering from the hamstring injury, as well as you know all of the his off-season exploits and the fun that he was having there. You know, Kevin Durant obviously looks in probably the best game shape alongside Cam Thomas and some of the young guys because they've been able to to maintain yep. those reps and and, and such. So. Look, I don't, there's some silver lines because again, you know, James Harden, solid enough game. Kevin Durant was sloppy in the first game, looked to be back to his efficient self. Uh, and Killer Cam uh, continues to just be an absolute weapon. But yeah, not a not, not a lot to take away in terms of the individual things here, Nick. And I mean, maybe like the Joel the and bead stuff is probably the most pertinent thing I would take away from this game in terms of Blake can't guard him, Paul Millsap can't guard him. Well, at least we got clacks and LMA in reserves should have thrown some day on sharp and given a bit of a fun there. But you know, ultimately I think that that was probably the biggest takeaway that you could probably forecast, uh, look at going forward. Um, but ultimately I think there was still some positive ish signs because individually is what I look for in preseason matchups, not the team as a whole. I think that obviously the defense uh, and the turnovers is probably the, the two things that do stick out, but you know, uh, get those things cleaned up, have the, some momentum from the Minnesota game heading into opening night. But as of this point, you know, throw it away, chuck it in the bin. The old Jimmy Butler meme. You get the piece of paper, crumple it up, throw it behind you, got a smile on your face. Let's move on to the next one.
1: Yeah, I thought KD kind of looked at this game, let me get some work in, let me get some live reps. You saw him go to the post, drive a little bit, just kind of work his full bag. 23 points, 9 of 13, 2 of 3 from 3, 3 of 4 from the free throw line. Just kind of starting, like you said, finding his rhythm. I thought James Harden, you saw him kind of pick it up, find a little bit more rhythm You know, later in this game, second, third quarter, drove to the rim a little bit, saw some of that burst, and that was good. So like Steve Nash mentioned, him getting into shape, getting into just – the rhythm of playing basketball, dribbling the basketball, I think that was a big issue for a lot of the Nets, just getting crispier with their handles. And like you said, uh, defensive communications were kind of ugly. I don't know if that's just, you know, some new guys on the team, not everyone being on the same page, but they're running some different defense. Last year was just like 99% switch all the time. There was less switching, more drop coverage in this one and different aspects like that. And in terms of defending Joel Embiid, I'm not quite as concerned because I think, you know, they're going to throw vanilla looks at him right now. It's not not really what they're going to do. Not to say that I think Blake Griffin's going to be a great option or Paul Millsap. Obviously, both guys severely undersized. But I think in a different situation, you'd probably see more attention from the other Nets and other things like that. But at the end of the day, I thought LaMarcus Aldridge would be the best matchup for mb just given he has true size to not allow him to just walk to the basket. And even Nick Claxton with his length and providing just like an athletic as- uh, aspect on Joel Embiid and just overall defensive effect. So. I'm not super concerned about that aspect. I think I'm more concerned about the team just kind of being sloppy and then having to get it crispy by the time of the regular season starting. Obviously, they could do that in one preseason game. They could do it overnight, given there's so many pros and vets on this team. And it's going to be hard to get a team that has championship aspirations fully geared up to play a preseason game that truly has no meaning.
2: No, it doesn't. And I think conditioning for me and health and, and yep. you know getting those reps is the number one thing more than any other. And I think the number one thing, uh, another thing that I took away from it as well, Nick, is, you know, you look at little wrinkles and, and, and little tidbits here and there. But, yeah, I think you, you make a good point on, you know, probably there's not a lot to look at with the, the drill and beats or the matchup. When doubles were, there was, I think, one double thrown at him, yep. uh, I think, in the entire game. And the
1: rotation was terrible behind it. And obviously, some of that's preseason, but that's also something the Nets need to clean up.
2: Yeah, I think that one thing with the defense that worries me somewhat and— uh, Omion Nasuk did a, a good piece on ESPN talking about you know behind the scenes um, the Nets uh, in San Diego at Joe Syce property is the fact that, and James Harden has alluded to this as well, is the, the introverted nature of a lot of our players, no one wants to call the other guy out be yeah. that sort of, you know you're that a-hole, sometimes you need an a-hole on the team. And I think that Jeff Green gave us a little bit, he's not an a-hole, but a, a semblance of leadership to sort of do those sort of things. And because there's new pieces in Paul Millsap, there's new pieces in Paddy Mills, there's obviously some of the young guys on the roster. I, I want Bruce Brand to, to be a bit more forceful like he is. It was good to see Kevin Durant get upset. Um, yep. I, I like that. I want that from my leader. Um, I, I like that he's talking trash to uh, the bum who used to date the iCarly girl. Um, What's his name? Andre Drummond. That's his name. I can't remember it. He's such a a trash player. Uh, but yeah, in all honesty, Nick, that's one thing that I, I, I want to see in this team really get engaged sooner rather than later. Obviously, again, I put a PSA out on the Twitter. It is preseason. But I, I wouldn't be surprised as well if the Nets do struggle a little bit in the opening parts of the season because of the uncertainty of Kyrie Irving right now and how that leaves the rotation. Uh, but if you can just fix some things up, you know, get things like just in tune and, and, and get the practices going, get the competitive juices flowing, I think that's when the Nets start to step up a little bit more. Um, and, and I just... Because, yeah, you look, Joe Harris isn't going to be a guy that's going to call out others. He's going to be the one that gets called out by KD. So KD needs to continue to show his leadership as he always had. He always leads by example. And it's the sort of when he speaks, you listen because he's not an over-talker. He's not a, 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 try, a trying to think of guys who just like don't shut up. And he's he's not one of those guys who's Chris just like <laughs> Chris Paul. He's not a Chris Paul. He's not a LeBron James who loves to hear the sound of their own voice more than just you know letting their actions do the talking. So yeah, we'll we'll see how it pans out. But this team's personality, how that gets solidified, that might be a little wrinkle to keep an eye on too.
1: Yeah, I think also physicality, which is something I don't anticipate seeing in preseason. But um, when the regular season kicks off, I think turning that up a little bit will help defensively. Just things are kind of soft right now, allowing guys to get to their spots and whatever it might be. Like I said, you mentioned it, Jack, and I think it's better when the players can speak. But just overall for the scheme and the understanding of being like, hey, this is what we're doing and this is what we're running. And if they are going to run some drop, which they probably will because they're probably not going to switch off Giannis in game one. I think, you know, guys need to get better in terms of going through screens, obviously, again, preseason, but something that's going to be important in certain situations if they are going to run drop coverage and not switch on everything, which is, you know, it seems like there's a handful of players that won't be the case. You know, Giannis was that and a lot of that series against the Bucs when James Harden was out. And then obviously, Joel Embiid seems like he'll be one of those guys, too, that they don't necessarily switch out on every play.
2: Yeah, I think it's just about being ready for whatever each game presents you. And, yep. you know, veteran teams like this Nets team is, obviously you've got a bit of youth there with Cam Thomas, and Kessel Edwards, David Duke Jr., uh, Darren Sharp. And Bruce Brennan isn't that old uh, either, yep. to, to be honest. I think he's only 25 years of age. So I, I think it's just about getting the, the little things, you know, tuned up. Sometimes performing badly can be used as a, as a learning experience and going, OK, this is how bad we were. This is what we don't do. As a teacher, I'll often go, okay, let's do an addition problem on the board. So I get it right and I'll deliberately get it wrong because then the kids can see, okay, that's not how you do it. This is how you do it. So self correcting um, can be a good thing, Nick. And I know this team knows where they've gone wrong, but we've got to speak about Killer Cam. I I would have spoken to him about the top of the podcast because of the fact that Kyrie Irving's absence. I mean, it doesn't really matter because you've got Cam Thomas not missing shots. Uh, and, and, and throwing goddamn dimes with his opposite hand. I mean, Cam Thomas, Nick. I, I'm, I'm trying to be a bit softer now. I know <laughs> our, our, my audio levels have been on a little bit. I might have to push my chair back a little bit like I am now. Um, but man, Cam Thomas, just how can you not be excited about this kid, Nick? Like, he, he just continues to just give you something night after night after night. 12 minutes, four or four from the field, 10 points, hits two threes, including one where he brings the ball up the floor. Kevin Durant's to the left of him he was like, you know what? I got like twenty seconds left on the shot clock here. I'm gonna pull up. I'm gonna throw a pull up three in your face from the top of the perimeter. Absolutely disgusting. I love him.
1: Yeah, I'll say though, those are the type of plays that are gonna make it harder for him to get on the court <laughs> when you, you when you pass up KD. As much as good as Cam Thomas is, or even when he hit the shot, it's just early in the shot clock. That's the type of decision where you're just looking at it. If you're Steve Nash, like, yeah, this guy might not get it right now and i get it like it's natural for him just to want to score but like you just said he katie's calling for the ball and he you know passed it off and he just did a, a step back three. Oh, you know the kick the start of the shot clock that's where it's just like yeah you're good kid but you got to understand your place on this team and how you're going to get minutes and i thought there was obviously other good things he did and obviously he's instant offense but there's a time and situation for different things and i'm not trying to you know shit on anyone's parade or anything this like that. Right. You are the I
2: mean. definition of party pooper. Come well, on! I could just
1: say he had four turnovers and was really sloppy with the basketball, but uh, that's that's something else in the whole team was, so he wouldn't be the only guy in that situation because Paul Millsap had five himself, and so did James Harden. Yeah, so uh, just a lot of turnovers for the whole team, and I think Cam, though, just his offense is so good that there's going to be times where he's just going to have to get on the court, or even this situation, I thought I don't like to look too much into preseason rotations or anything like that. But Cam got the early sub. And I thought that was Steve Nash maybe giving him the opportunity. And I don't know if he ruined it. But at least Steve Nash is considering that. And he's looking at using him in different parts. And obviously one preseason 12-minute stint is going to determine if he's in the rotation or not. But obviously it could
2: have some type of impact. Also, self-correcting, James Johnson for personal fouls, not turnovers. Uh, my mistake there. One thing that did—you uh, I, I, probably, obviously, know this player as well, Nick. I'm surprised you didn't mention it because you're clearly l- looking at Cam Thomas like he's goddamn Mike James out there. <laughs> no. Uh, no, but he's in, young. In,
1: he can develop. <laughs> Mike no, James, but it, I think is the last
2: card. <laughs> no, but in all honesty, the uh, one of the first plays of Cam Thomas when he was out there on the floor, he was there with James Harden and Kevin Durant. James Harden obviously brings the ball up. Cam Thomas is out in the left corner. James Hunter kicks it out to him, a little bit of a dribble penetration, stops, props, hits the mid-range jumper from the elbow, that sort of left side uh, wing action. I thought that that was a really smart and heady play. He made the right play there. He attacked off the closeout. Didn't make it force the shot in any sort of way. I, I thought that there was still, I, I get what you're saying, Nick. And I guess if I'm trying to be objective, then I, I should agree with you. But I can't be objective with this kid. It's like Patty Mills, you know, I'm just totally irrational. Got the the the, um, the Kool-Aid drinking for Cam uh, in in a big way, but I thought that that was really positive. And I think you like you mentioned there, he came off the the bench at a similar time to to Paddy Mills, who is likely to be our, a sort of six-man first guy coming off the uh, off the pine uh, most nights, uh, if not all, when he is fit and available. But I, I I still think that you know that left-handed pass to Paul Millsap down low, really nice pace, really nice timing on it if we're talking about the, and then obviously he's, he's still hitting threes. Um, he's just got, we speak, I mean, go back to our draft preview, our draft reviews and and such to to hear us really dive in depth to, to Cam Thomas, uh, to Cam Thomas's stuff, as well as some of the summer league shows. But the more I watch his shot, Nick, and, and even, and especially from three and from anywhere, he just gets great height on it. He, he shoots from the highest point in a similar way to what KD does. Now, obviously, Cam Thomas is six four, and Kevin Durant seven one, but I still think that the, his action and his his rhythm in in taking his shots um, is incredibly promising for a guy that hasn't played a regular season NBA game yet.
1: Yeah. And getting back to the play you were talking about earlier, Jack, I think that's the type of play where he can really have an impact on this team this season. A lot of that has to do with the jump shot, because I think that's a way for him to get on the court because he's very comfortable not hitting just threes, but also hitting mid range shots and coming off screens and just providing another element and you you mentioned him you know attacking on that closeout and pulling up for mid-range like that's just an easy bucket for a guy like him and that's what he needs to do to get on the court play off of Kyrie play off of James Harden play off of Kevin Durant and even uh, the play prior to that when he just came in you know he got lost a little bit off ball but put extra effort into try to get some type of contest that's what I want to see from him and like you also mentioned the pass to Paul Millsap that was a nice heady play I'm not asking him to be an elite passer he just has to make the right passes you know what I mean and there's going to be different situations and different things but that's where i'm also really intrigued with cam thomas i think they did mention that he grew a little bit he's six five now looks like he even filled out a little bit more he's got more size than patty mills and javon carter so it just gives him a better opportunity to necessarily play along the side of patty mills or javon carter just because you could see teams try to target you know having two six foot guys or even kyrie irving out there where it's nice to have a guy that's more of a shooting guard size
2: no definitely he's he's kobe with the sort of like six five sort of size obviously he takes a lot of tenancy. he looks strong he was, too he, incredibly strong and you know for for him and obviously dayron dayron looks as big as freaking paul yeah. Millsap. so but their bodies are they're ready are we for sure Dayron's
1: like his actual age he looks like he's a grown-ass man like 27 years old <laughs> he,
2: does, he does he's 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 ready for for the physicality of the nba and so is kenan thomas in, in that respect too nick and I'm I'm I want to see him get to the line a couple of times that's yep. you know I'm, I'm I'm a sicko for for the free throw sometimes um, and and I think that that's where you know when he he attacks off a closeout and gets to the line um, and, and whether it's off a Patty Mills pass or a James Harden pass that's where it's like okay he's literally ticked every box for me that can show me you can still contribute with every skill. I'm not saying that he can't. In fact, I'm very much saying that he can, given what we've seen in the 12 minutes that he got tonight in the game that we saw before in, in that closeout where he's probably the most clutch player that we've ever seen in the history <laughs> of the NBA. <laughs> and I'm not, it's, a, it's a goddamn disgrace he's in in the 75th anniversary commercial. They've got to edit that one and add my guy Killer Cam in. Um, but yeah, in all honesty, Nick, I, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see how this kid grows. Can't wait to see him against Minnesota. Um, and he's continuing to do things where it's just like Steve Nash has to play him. Like you alluded to earlier, you know, he got off the pine pretty goddamn early. Now, obviously, we don't really read into rotations that much, but maybe you read into the starting five, and and that's where something I guess I'll ask you, Nick. Do you think that this current starting five that we've seen for the past couple of games is the starting five that we see on opening night? You know, obviously, it's uh, Kevin Durant, James Harden, you have Blake Griffin, Bruce Brown, and Joe Harris. Do you think that that's the starting five that we likely do see?
1: Yeah, I think against the Bucs, That makes sense. You know, that's what we saw. I think to start, I mean, in Game Seven. You know what I mean? Obviously, we're assuming Kyrie Irving's not going to be there. He could be there because technically it is a away game, so maybe that kind of throws some different wrinkles into it. I'm not really sure, but given if Kyrie Irving's not there, I think this could be the starting lineup we see. And I think Steve Nash. I've come in more to open to the fact that I think Steve Nash is going to adjust the starting lineup depending on matchup. Like if they play the Sixers, I think he will just start Lamarcus Aldridge. That just makes sense to me. I'm not locking in 100%, but I just think LMA has looked pretty good. Obviously, didn't play tonight, but in the previous two games in preseason, I thought he moved pretty well and just provided a different element for the team and just gives him that true big body like we talked about.
2: No, that's a, a really fair point, and, and you might throw Mills up there on, on certain matchups um, and hopefully Kyrie Irving's back sooner rather than later, so Bruce will probably be supplanted um, in that respect. A little tip being, I wanted to throw at you, Nick, before if you wanted to throw any other sort of takeaways from this matchup. Um, Alex Schiffer, Paul Nilsap said he and James Harden talked on the bench about learning each other's tendencies along with the rest of the roster. As if the team is still in training camp, this wasn't going to happen quickly. I like that. I like that insight to sort of what's happening behind the scenes because, you know, we see the the awesome training camps where, you know, Kyrie Irving's crossing up, Javon Carter, Kevin Durant's throwing down dunks. But you want to see the struggle and you want to see the team get through the struggle. Again, we're in freaking early October. And, and now is where you sort of start to figure things out. I have full faith that they will because these conversations are happening, the maturity, the experience. Um, there's more sort of like, you know, bus rides that they'll have the chats about and stuff. Now, I, I like that, that little tidbit from from Paul Millsap to the Netspeak.
1: Yeah, like you mentioned earlier, Jack, they weren't in sync tonight, and sometimes that can really help you because now you have to find a way to get in sync excuse me, and understand you know, your teammates. And I could tell Paul Millsap and James Harden were not on the same page on numerous pick-and-rolls and, and pick-and-pops. They just kind of weren't really sure what the other one was going to do. And there's a lot of new faces on this team, and you can only run so many combinations during training camp. So it's going to be a work in progress. And I think you know the team's not going to play its best basketball to start the season. It's something that we're hoping to see at the end of the season going into the playoffs. But other than that, I mean, not really much to take away from this game. Obviously, Nets didn't bring it. We mentioned Cam Thomas. Same like James Harden, Kevin Durant got work. Javon Carter's three-point shot continues to impress. I think that's something to keep an eye on. But, again, you can only play so many undersized guards. Anything else, Jack, in the preseason game before we get out of here?
2: Liked his sort of pull-up midi as well. Yep. Uh, I thought that that looked pretty good. And, you know, uh, I think that that's a promising sign to show. Finishing he's a at the rim them. is
1: the problem for him.
2: Yeah, definitely. But we don't need him to be you know, an at rim finisher in a lot of respects, as long as he can penetrate and kick out, which I still think he has that ability. He doesn't need to be James Harden in that respect either. I will also say, Nick, you know, I alluded to Kyrie Irving's absence as being the reason why the Nets lost. The reason why the Nets lost is that goddamn, like, 13-year-old TikTok video that we saw today. If you haven't been on Twitter, in fact, don't. Just avoid it. But have you seen it, Nick? Sadly. <laughs> yes <laughs> the way nick said that is basically so there's these three 13 year old boys in their the blue fire kd jerseys and some weird girl as a cheerleader and the guy hits a free throw Which he banks, a song I, 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 he banks
1: it off the backboard he doesn't even switch it.
2: <laughs> like my guy like i just um that that hopefully that video does not curse the Brooklyn that's going forward because I saw that all over my timeline and I wanted to report it every single time I saw it.
1: Yeah, we need to get that removed. It could be bring some bad luck, and bad vibes, but um I feel like oh. I was thinking to myself, "Jack, sorry, that like I saw that video and I was just like, "Damn, this is what it feels like to be like the best team. You get these like terrible bandwagon fans and videos like, god, <laughs> I really enjoy this, but this sucks." <laughs>
2: Yeah, probably that like t- TikTok videos probably got more views than we've had downloads over the past four <laughs> years of our podcast. So maybe we should get on TikTok, Nick. I don't know. Uh, d- I don't know if I got the face for for TikTok, but one
1: final
2: thing I did want to say, Nick, is uh Patty Mills and and Kyrie Irving uh, put out some pretty cool posts after in, in Indigenous People's Day. And obviously, it's Columbus Day, but I don't like acknowledging that given the history behind it uh, but Paddy mills a really thoughtful instagram post that he said as an indigenous australian living in the united states i would like to pay my respects on indigenous people's day to all the traditional people of the land sea skies and waters of which we live and work i acknowledge their continued connection to culture their communities and families also as a recent member of the brooklyn community in new york i would specifically like to acknowledge the lenape nation and the kanasi tribe of lenape uh, sorry if I'm saying that wrong, guys, uh, in Brooklyn and pay my respects to the traditional owners and their elders. I look forward to hear, to learning more about the, the similarities and differences between our cultures through song, dance, storytelling, arts, and other cultural forms of expression, so it can all help further the connection of Indigenous and non-Indigenous people keep the culture alive. This is why I love him. Don't care that he didn't score tonight. He's scoring always off the court. Um, incredibly thoughtful post and happy Indigenous Peoples Day to all the people uh, in America right now. Um, you know, that connection, that the, the culture that Paddy Mills brings, the knowledge, the wisdom, the intelligence, uh, the empathy that he brings. Um, every single thing that Paddy Mills does, Nick, if it's an Instagram post, it's coming on the Brooklyn bus. especially when it's one as pertinent as this one.
1: Yeah, no, I thought that was really great stuff from Patty Mills. And like you said, it just kind of screams to the type of person he is and the type of personality and characteristics he's going to bring to this Nets organization and culture. Just having a guy like him in the locker room just gives you a lot of confidence in terms of just like things being the right way because he just seems like such a great person and has such a respect for everybody. So a really cool thing from Patty Mills, and like you said, we'll definitely, we continue to acknowledge, you know, players that are doing great stuff off the court, and obviously they don't always get that much attention, but we're going to try to do our best to do that. But, Jack, anything else before we get out of here?
2: No, we simply record for 20 minutes, think We somehow always turn into 30 or 40.
1: Yep. <laughs> uh, thanks, Kyrie. No, <laughs> but, uh, Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks, everybody, for listening, and you find the buzz on all stream platforms.